All right, so ready to go? Yeah, I think this is it. So Signing on for the first time. Signing on for the first time. So thank you all who are listening. I've talked to a lot of you uh, leading up to this. I haven't talked to anybody. No. i got to be honest. No, this is my friend Ben. Uh, he is the brains. He calls Big big Brain Ben. Look at the brains on Ben. Look at the <laughs> They are big, like your body. Uh, so first of all, I want to say thank you uh, to a couple people who got us started. Uh, those guys over at No Normal People, uh, they run a podcast here called No Normal People. You can find them at www.nonormalpeople.com. That's K-N-O-W. <laughs> no normal people.com. You please subscribe to them. They were a huge help getting us going and getting us off the ground. So thank you, thank you, thank you. They put the no and I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. Yep. Uh, also, um, I want to let you know that our social media accounts are ran by Maria Knight. Um, we're going to have her on here soon so that you can get to know her as well. And more importantly, I would like to dedicate this first broadcast and every broadcast afterwards to my father. Uh, he was a Christian uh, at the end of his life, but the first 69 years of his life he was not. And it was for the very reason that we are going to be talking about throughout so, this this one's for you, Ray, Dad, Snuckums. Yeah, he would call you Snuckums <laughs> if he knew you. <laughs> so go ahead, Ben. Who are you? Yeah. Okay. So uh, first of all, I'd like to thank say thanks as well. I'm just gonna throw that out there. All the people that that Josh mentioned, thank you. I'd like to extend a, uh, a warm heart of gratitude to to Josh as well for for uh, setting us all up, talking me into it, wrangling me in. So, a uh, little background on myself. I um, I was what what I would consider uh, traditionally saved in a church uh, when I was fourteen, um, and uh, from there, um, basically, uh, one way or the other, felt uh, called. I guess you could say, and we'll get into all of these uh, Christian jargons later, uh, but called into the ministry. Um, uh, youth ministry specifically, uh, I went to Bible college, uh, then I spent, uh, several years, six or seven years as a youth pastor. Uh, then I spent uh, many years as a, um, what would you call it? Uh, the, at, uh, working with socially, emotionally disturbed youth counselor. Yeah. So, so a counselor, not like a licensed clinical social worker, but, but just, counselor was our title uh working with socially emotionally disturbed youth um after that i i pretty much have just been living a normal everyday life wife two kids uh you know uh picket fence that normal. is about ready to fall over and uh yeah that's i mean that's that's who i am thanks ben yeah uh no seriously the one thing you got to know about ben and all jokes aside we're going to mess with each other all the shit in time here um because that's what we do in our in our uh, the, the third amigo in our group, Terry. He uh, you'll hear from him too throughout these broadcasts. Um, but we like to give each other a lot of crap, so you're gonna hear that a lot. But Ben is one of the smartest people that I know. He has one of the best scriptural uh, backgrounds uh, basis uh, for his conversations. I think uh, you're giving me too much credit here. No, nah, man. I mean for real. Is this actually? I actually met Ben working at YBGR. 
um, working with emotionally and troubled youth. Um, the funny thing was, is we didn't really hang out a lot then. Um, we started to play Xbox online together. And so from there, um, we actually uh, formed a really good relationship um, and got to know each other. And it was around a time that we started to really get to know each other that I knew that him and I were supposed to be doing something together. And uh, it took me a long time to talk him into something. And even me, I didn't know what we were going to do. And then one night I had a dream that was uh, God telling me to start this. So even if I reach one of you or 100,000 of you, uh, this one is for you as well. I mean, this this all came together beautifully. There's a huge story as, as to how this was able to happen, and uh, we'll get into that at, at another time. But I would also like to say, too, that my wife, Jackie, uh, I should probably tell him who I am, too, huh? That would help. That would, <laughs> <laughs> I well, don't even know who you are. No, I don't know who I am either. Uh, my name's Josh, obviously, and I, um, I had a pretty uh, – I used to think it was normal until I got to know normal people which I will be listening to no, no normal people on the podcast to find out if I am truly normal or not. Shameless plug. Yeah, exactly. This brought to you by Sam Adams. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, but, no, I I'm am actually... i Sam Adams right now. So am I. Smoking a pipe, too. Uh, I, I'm actually chewing a Zen. It, it's, it's tobacco, though. It's, it's, and you call yourself... I promise. You call yourself a Christian. Well, I don't. You should <laughs> work. Yeah, take the Ian. Anyway, we'll get we'll get to that later. But uh, altogether, uh, I'm I'm originally from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Um, grew up in a really rough neighborhood, a lot like uh, Ben did over in the uh, shining rich hills of Omaha. The lo- the lap of luxury. The lap of luxury. I'm surprised our house wasn't on like Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach. <laughs> if anybody's uh, old enough to remember that, because I'm old. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I expected us to be on there, but uh, they canceled the showing, you know, three weeks before we were supposed to be on there. That's that's the kind of house I lived in. Kind of that. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, so we, uh, my parents, uh, my dad was very mentally ill, uh, drinking problem. He was uh, had psoriatic arthritis, which he graciously passed down to me, and the medicine that he took back in the 80s is what's killed him today. All that to be said, we moved to Montana on a wing and a prayer. Um, Rosebud, Montana, which then became Forsyth, Montana, which was the greatest years of my life up until I met my wife. Uh, Forsyth is a great town, great people. Um, I'm very proud to have graduated a dogie. Um, but from there, I went to uh, college, um, then left college. I started working at Rimrock Foundation as a detox counselor, um, worked with the homeless. Um, then I ended up working at YBGR. Where that's where I met Ben. I worked in a, a unit uh, for intensive care kids and then eventually kids who have special needs. From there, I started working at Mental Health Center as a path liaison. So basically, I did a lot of street outreach. Uh, we went under the bridges. Um, oh, so the you worked with homeless people. A lot of homeless people. That was actually That's yeah. actually still a passion that I have. Uh, that, it, and that's actually what reinvigorated my faith uh, away from religion and more towards um, the actual faith itself was because even though those guys were homeless, slept in their own piss, uh, in their own body odor, uh, they still had the wherewithal to ask to be prayed for. And it, it, was, it was nuts. I mean, you can't you can't make that up. Um, and, 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 you know, you're giving them blankets and stuff like that. And uh, they'll turn down socks, uh, but they will never turn down a prayer. And and. You know, these people don't care. They're not there. They're not trying to earn brownie points because, you know, they've been homeless long enough that they don't they know that there's no game to be played there. Um, And then uh, I uh, scraped my third homeless person off the street dead. um, And that was it. 
uh, tried to do some sales, but I ended up becoming a banker uh, of sorts. And um, Ben and I uh, still have been friends for over a decade now, and um, it all started with that. We also started to realize that perhaps we had more to offer this movement. Uh, I don't like to call it a ministry, but a movement because we both have the similar experiences uh, coming from where we came from. Of course, Ben was on the papal uh, point of view, and I came from somebody who was taken advantage of. And uh, uh, I think also, too, Ben and I both had somebody in our lives in the church. I, I can't speak for you. Maybe I'm wrong. But I had a guy who watched over uh, my spiritual growth in the beginning, and a lot of what I believe and what I took came from him. Uh, Pastor Wiley, of course, is who I'm talking about. He was my spiritual mentor. Um, and I'll talk about him later. But that's basically who I am. And uh, this is Grit. As surely as I'm speaking by the Spirit of God, that is a word for a person right now. That is God penetrating your heart. It's burning on the inside of you, and you need to make a vow of faith of a thousand dollars. Oh, Bob, couldn't you say twenty-five? No. Right. This dope-filled world, right. and get in an air, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. Right. That's exactly that. And it's, it's deadly. And and it works. I'm loaded. I'm pregnant with miracles. Real quickly, he said, Jesse, do you like your plane? Now, you know, I thought that's an odd statement. He gave, I said, well, certainly, Lord. 313. They don't want to believe Deuteronomy 28. Oh, Bob, that's a holy book. Those are holy pages. You shouldn't have done that. There ain't nothing holy about that paper. Only thing holy is the $7 it costs to buy. Welcome to real Christianity. In, we're in show business here. Right. We, we got a dying world around us. Just, we got a dying nation around us. That's right. We've seen many, many children healed. We've seen midgets grow. We've seen arms and legs that stop growing because of growth cells that stop. I don't make this stuff up. So I hope you enjoyed that soundbite uh, that you heard previously. Uh, one of the things that uh, we've been hearing a lot from people is they cannot bridge uh, the purpose of a Christian to what you're actually seeing in today's world. Um, it makes it hard to be a Christian, Ben really does. Like I, even I don't want to be a Christian, uh, when I see what 99% of these churches are doing. And then I turn on the TV and I'm looking at the one group of people who are sitting on mountains of money, do nothing. Yeah. So, so it's interesting to me. Um, I guess I, I, I don't understand where the disconnect was at. Um, uh, Christ spoke to his disciples, and very few amounts of time uh, was he ever in a building. And when he was in a building, uh, he destroyed it. Uh, <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, like four walls that uh, that our, our church is, is built on, and today, in, in America especially, uh, it it seems like we're falling short where the building is meant for people to come in and never leave, get spiritually fat, um, or, uh, just, uh, become indoctrinated with rights and wrongs. Um, they're, they're told how to act, how to live. Uh, they're made to feel guilty or shamed if they don't live exactly the way that somebody else does. Um, uh, and when I look at Christ's teachings, it was only love. There were two commandments, uh, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. If you love your neighbor as yourself, then it pretty much 
means that you are going to make sure that you do right in the eyes of God. Because you you have personal responsibility, accountability. You know, you're not you're not gonna cut somebody off in traffic because oh I love I would hate to be cut off in traffic, so I'm not gonna cut that guy off in traffic because <laughs> I want to love my neighbor as myself. Now I'm not saying it gets that granular, but at the same time, because I mean honestly you're you're in a hurry, you're trying to get to work, you know. But if if you truly are loving your neighbor as yourself, what do you need a church for? No, I Ben, I, I think that's exactly the point that you're bringing up is, I mean, that's why we decided to do what we do. Now, listen, if you are going to a church, okay. And you enjoy what you're, what you're part of, we're not telling you that you're wrong or bad. When you become wrong or quote unquote bad is when you see these uh, new Christians or somebody who's different, or maybe somebody who smells or somebody who doesn't fit the mold that your church has, uh, uh, has has basically created for you to fit in. Um, you become bad and wrong when you pass judgment on them. It, 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 and passing judgment means more than just, you know, thinking to yourself. It's the way you act. These homeless people, I can tell you the one thing I learned about homeless people. They're the stinkiest, grossest people, uh, according to social standards that you will meet in our society. And the one thing is they know when people are judging them. They know when people are looking at them. Um, so when we have these new Christians, you know, one of the things I was uh, Ben and I were talking about here was the uh, parable of uh, Jesus, um, well, the, the par- parable of Jesus, the parable that Jesus taught about the day laborers. Uh, you know, one of the things Maria has been putting on on social media that you've seen is, uh, and it's actually the basis of our faith, a statement of faith is, you know, whether you're a Christian for nine minutes or 90 years, you belong in the kingdom. There is, uh, there's no Christian greater than the other. Okay, l- l- let me just put that to you right now. Kenneth Copeland is not a better Christian than you. His prayer does not mean more than your prayer. Okay, so when he's up there praying away COVID nineteen, and well, now, <laughs> now, now, brother Walter, let me. T- <laughs> you might say, why? Why do I need an eighty million dollar jet? Let me tell you something. It's because God ordained it. I, I can't be. In a tube full of demons. <laughs> I mean, he is telling you that he is going to summon a fire from hell that's going to burn this thing. And let me tell you something. His prayer is no more powerful or important than the person who's been praying for nine minutes in their life. In fact, there is also another story in the Bible that I also love where the, you know, where the gal gave all she could. What was it, a penny? A couple of pennies, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and God looked upon her offering. Or the equivalent. You know, they didn't have pennies back then. But you Well, know. you don't know that. Well, something. I mean, drachma, you know. Shackles. If you're, if you're Greek, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean. A shekel. A shekel. There you go. I actually knew a Dr. Shekel ton. But, um, but that's what I mean, like. God, but she gave all she had. She did. She gave all she had, and God viewed that over the rich man's offering. And, and you see, that's what modern Christianity has convinced you does not exist. It has convinced you that um, the two commandments that Christ gave us, which was to love God and love others, that, that there needs to be more, right? He, that Modern religion is telling you, Brother Ben, that God requires more of you and more of you means speaking in tongues more of you means giving more than your tithe but offering god it means where you sit in the pew it means what you wear and let me tell you also too how often you go to church exactly how often you go how to much church. money you have yep money 
uh, if you're a woman and you're dating uh, or married to a man who's requiring uh, things that go outside of your will and uh, the church sits and tells you you need to be a better wife and then that woman is subjected to more uh, oh it gets worse than that oh absolutely she's subjected to more shame and guilt Uh, but then after after a divorce if a divorce takes place oh then she has shame and guilt for that right no because because it's oh how many divorces oh well if it's at least one well obviously you didn't do something right Right. You know, uh, where is it the church's position to say that? Where, where is it the church's position? I don't know. I take the words of Tupac. Only God can judge me. Just don't put it on a tattoo. God in heaven. If you get that <laughs> tattooed on your chest, I'm going to kick late. you in the nuts. Too late. But, but, but that's none of your business. So, but, but where, where did the church decide that it, it was important to right the wrongs of the people that go to the church. No, let me tell you, and I want you to speak to this because I hear this a lot when I ask that question of people who do that. Um, they will tell you, Brother Ben, that... Stop calling me. <laughs> Stop calling me. Brother Walter. I, I took it once, and now I can't take it anymore. <laughs> no, but, uh, but seriously, like... Uh, I was dating a gal before Jackie. Uh, I'm not going to say who it was. But, um, yeah, her father was great. How dare you? I know. Her father was great. But her mother uh, would say, we are to be fruit inspectors. And to me, it sounded like that meant like a a reason to judge. But can you tell us what fruit inspector means? And (laughs) tell me how. Well, first of all, it's not that type of podcast. (laughs) I'm not inspecting anyone's fruit. So, <laughs> so you, you could um, no, no no i i mean you know it's perfect because right now we don't have like a you know a video stream or anything like that so i guess i could get away with it and nobody would know but i'm not inspecting anyone's fruit Picture. right now or or ever uh, okay so the fruit inspector ex- excuse though the fruit inspector excuse is is bullshit yeah, you Word. heard me. No, no, I agree. I, I I want you to tell me why. So, again, in the words of Tupac, only God can judge me. Bottom line is, nobody knows what's going on inside your head. Nobody knows what commitment you've made to Christ. And nobody knows what you do when no one else is watching. But again, if you are saved for nine minutes or 90 years, and you adhere to the two commandments that Christ set out for his disciples to spread to everyone else. You know, later on in Matthew's The Great Commission, he says, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're following that, if you're abiding by that, what is a church doing inspecting my fruit? Don't touch my fruit. (laughs) Unless the brother is actually a sister. Okay, no, that's still not okay. Now, look, the thing is, if you're causing a brother or sister in Christ, you know, and this is biblical, if you're causing them to stumble, then whatever it is that you do, you keep between yourself and God. Where is that? It's Peter? Uh, Yeah, I would say. Because you're, you're no longer acting in love. Uh, if you know, you know, like, oh, hey, man, you, you're you're a recovering alcoholic. Let's go out and have a drink. 
No, man. Why would you put that temptation in someone's way if you know that they're, you know, they've decided to no longer consume alcohol? That, that's not loving your neighbor. But when a church comes in and says, well, do this, do that, and, and then you'll be saved. Well, once you get saved, well, now you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Well, wait a second. Isn't, isn't saved enough? You know, no, 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 you have to, you have to, in some, in some churches, not all churches, you have to speak in tongues or you have to display some kind of initial physical evidence of the Holy Spirit. And in some cases, it's right there in the fundamental truths of certain denominations where speaking in tongues is that evidence. So if you don't speak in tongues, you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why do you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Acts 1.8 says, so that you will have more power when you go out to share the gospel. Well, the thing is, when it comes to that, no one can tell me, minister or otherwise, where my walk with God is. Only, only God can confer that to me. Someone can say, yeah, Brother Walters, God's really impressed on me that you need to pray more, that you need a diet, that you need to be a better steward with your money and give to me now. a month. And all your sins will be saved. All of them will be saved. Hallelujah. The thing is, only only God knows my my innermost thoughts. Only God knows my innermost heart. So why, why has the church impressed upon itself to be my my moral compass? Now the thing is that the church can be used for, I'm going to use a, a Christian jargon word here just to preface this, uh, for edification. The church can be used for edification in the right purpose. The problem is the church has become stagnant, okay? Edification or what it means to re-energize or build up, you know, recharge your batteries, so to speak. But if you're not... If, if the church as a whole isn't doing anything for the community, then all they're doing is just getting rich off of each other, right. both, both spiritually and monetarily right. and, and, and physically. I mean, I don't, I don't know about physically unless you're talking about the fruit inspection thing. But, but I mean, you know, <laughs> anyway, I said my piece. I feel like I, I went on a no, little No, 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 no. That, that, that's, that's what I wanted to hear. See, that, that goes to the original point that I made. If you're not one of those Christians and you're happy in church, we're not attacking the church that you're talking or that you're happy in. If you, but, but here's the deal. If you see this kind of behavior, this is the behavior that we're talking about. This is, these are the things when, when, when stagnant Christians or when Christians become so complacent because they're being satisfied, but they don't see that other people who are new to the kingdom are being satisfied. Those people go away. And it reminds me of kind of like a bad diet, Ben, where, uh, you know, all these crash diets, first of all, Ben and I are fat, but Ben is very athletic. The man is dedicated. I am not. 
Oh, man. All of this stay-at-home stuff, though. Oh, God, dude. For real. <laughs> it's, been, it's been killing me, man. I just want to get back to the gym. <laughs> uh, I, I, I want to drive by the gym again. Um, <laughs> Jim's Deli. Drive, no. <laughs> drive right by the gym and <laughs> go right. straight to McDonald's. That's right. I'm going to start tomorrow. McDonald's. Uh, McDonald's. But it's funny, too, because we've been supporting local businesses here in Billings, Montana, and uh, that local businesses means pad thai and pizza, um, which is also not good for you. But but seriously, uh, 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 think of a bad diet. You know, that moment you get so you're, you're so down and you're so upset with the way you look. Right. And we all been there. And it's that moment that you say, I need to change. Something needs to change. And you say that to yourself a thousand times. But there's that one moment, the precipice where you're either going to die of a heart attack or you're going to make a change. Christianity is no different. You get to that point where because, first of all, let me tell you something. Both Ben and I both agree. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is the way he has led us to. He has shown us how to live. He has showed us that this world will be a much better place if we just do what he told us to do. I truly believe uh, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Now, that being said, when you reach that point, right, that you're, um, you, 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 you don't know what your life is for, there's nothing left, right? I mean, you, you have despair. The end is nigh. And, um, you, you, you know, it's not just about where you're going to go when you die, but also why can't think good things happen to me? Why do I feel like I'm not enough? You find Jesus Christ, just like you find the idea of going to the gym and a, and a new diet where it's macadamia nuts and tablespoons of cream cheese. Two bananas. Two bananas. Oh, yeah. When ben, when ben was on his diet, he used to send us pictures of his lunch, and it was like an apple and two bananas, and we're just like, man, dude, you're going to die. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. Or but I didn't die. You're, you're going to sniff a cheeseburger and gain all that weight back. <laughs> yep. But, um, you know, and, and, and so you find Christ, and so just like the diet, you find this new diet. The thing is, every diet's going to work if you just stick to it. And how you stick to a good diet is a great support system, results. Um, well, I remember what it was like to start a new diet. You get pumped on it. You buy a whole bunch of uh, groceries uh, from the store that are, uh, you know, uh, conducive to this diet. Uh, lettuce or fruits and vegetables. You know, New running you, shoes. You name it. Yeah, new yeah. running shoes. You get, you get pumped uh, because... You know, this has been the diet of tomorrow, the diet of the future for uh, maybe days, months, years. And it's and, a good diet. And then finally, yeah, tomorrow. I'll start, I'll, I'll start tomorrow. <laughs> I'll start tomorrow. Um, so, but then you finally, something changes in your life and you get to the point where you say, okay, no matter what, I'm starting tomorrow. And so then when you do, you start. And for that first couple of weeks, you know, you're, you're, on board you have all the equipment that you need you have everything that you need uh, but then you don't start seeing results after two weeks right in this bad diet you know or or, or whatever maybe maybe you didn't have enough uh, maybe you didn't have proper coaching or maybe you're using um some supplements that aren't working or or maybe it's just you know it's just not working out or it becomes difficult uh to get over the hump and so you fizzle away you get this bad diet you fizzle away and also, too, to go along with that, while you're going to the gym and you're trying to bust your butt over there, try to bust your ass, trying to trying to do the right thing, people are looking at you. People are, you know, you're walking into a situation where these people have been doing it for years and they're part of a little community and you're trying to enter this community of, of people who are working out and dieting and you're not accepted. 
Uh, you're well, not. I, in some cases, it's in, intrinsic insecurity, but I totally get it. Yeah. I, I had that when I started the gym first. You know, I was like, ah, I don't want to go to this class. Exactly. Super intimidating. Uh, and whether they're judging you or not, most people aren't. But you have this preconceived idea that, that they are. And then someone says something at the gym and, you know, like, oh, yep, I knew it. They're, they're judging me. Yep. Well, so you put that into into the, the realm or into the understanding of a church yep. where you're, you're, you know, you're pumped, you're ready to go. You bought your Bible. Uh, you know, you've gotten the devotionals. You've gotten the, if you're a woman, the powerful ladies of the Bible book. Or if you're, you know, if you're a guy, you know, you, you read all these awesome stories. You have all these books ready to get you going. And then you walk into a church and the first thing that they say to you is, um, are you new here? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm new here. I, I, you know, immediately you're put onto the defensive. And then, of course, the, they're going to greet you. They have people who, who are who have volunteered to be greeters. And so you're, you know, you, you're kind of getting this mixed emotion, like, and you're already kind of nervous because, you know, you know what church is. You've, you've seen it. Everybody knows what church is. You sit down on the pew. Nobody talks to you again, unless they're forced to, because the pastor says, shake a, shake a hand, shake a hand next to ya. (laughs) (laughs) Shake a, shake a hand. (laughs) But I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. But I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the rub. So you're sitting there and, then you're you're you hear you see this music. People are you know in their in their seats, and you know waving flags, waving flag. Oh my god, waving flags. Back in my their day, hands. they were playing the tambourine. Right. Yeah. Um, why come no church ever used bagpipes? That's the uh, greatest. Sure, you know, I'm sure churches in Scotland do. Well, that's Scotland. Anyway, this is a great U.S. of A. Baby, these colors don't run. But the point is, is that so you're you're already kind of uncomfortable. Now that's not what we're saying is wrong. But what we are saying is wrong is the longer you're there, the more you start to realize that there's a hierarchy within the congregation. And that congregation, that hierarchy is more than just something that's visible. It starts to affect you on a personal level because when you have great ideas as a new Christian, and let me tell you something, some of the greatest ideas I've ever heard about church came from people who just started going. Uh, one thing I want you to know Absolutely. about your, yeah, one thing I want you to know about your webmaster and the one who's uh, doing our social media pages, Maria. That girl became saved uh, not too long after her best friend died. That was hard. I worked with her on that. And she was a new Christian. And this girl is um, uh, a person who, uh, one of the smartest people you'll ever meet, but also one of the most rock-solid faiths. And yet that girl, I shouldn't say girl, that woman, uh, she has endured so much from people who have been Christians for years. And when Maria would talk about God, they would just look at her like, well, I mean, You've been Christian for, what, five minutes? Now, that might not seem like a big deal for a lot of people, especially people who have been Christians for a long time. But when you say that to a new Christian, okay, you immediately put up this subconscious and actually conscious wall between the kingdom of God on earth and you trying to become part of that. Yeah, there's a caste system that, that's already put in place. And Yeah, and it's ridiculous, Ben. I mean, so this oh, is happening. Oh, five minutes? Well, I've been I've been a Christian for five years. Exactly. Talk to me then. Yeah, and this this has this is a problem worldwide, uh, but more of a problem in America because we are so hell bent on positioning ourselves to be greater than the next person, when in fact we should be more uh, uh, tuned in or zoomed in. I guess would be the right word to trying to secure these people, making them feel at home. Because let me tell you something. They didn't come to Christ because they had a great day. Okay. They came to Christ because their lives 
were in shambles. They experienced trauma. I mean, we don't know what people are going through, right? And equally can be said, I don't know what that person who's been a Christian for 30 years has been going through, but I can tell you something. Their words to a nine-minute Christian is going to echo to that person forever, and they don't come back. They don't go back to church. They don't, they, they don't become part of a family, what church is supposed to be. And so what do you think they do, Ben? They turn on their TV because they need some sort of uh, spiritual oh, nourishment. Man. Here and we go. Who do they see? Joel Osteen. Kenneth Copeland. Credulous Creflo Dollar. <laughs> they see these televangelists, right? They don't have to leave their home. They don't have to be judged. If they only... 99 99 99 get themselves a prayer blanket. Man, that's the platinum package. That's right. And that is the problem with our with modern religion today. We are seeing mega churches happening at a vastly gross vastly gross uh a rate of increase because the small church is where effective change can happen. These people believe that they are better than you. They believe that they have some sort of powerful divine connection to God when guess what? Guess what? Here's the great news. So do you. It's amazing what happened when Jesus said, it is finished. Into your hands I commend my spirit. At that moment, that was when you, me, Ben, credulous, credulous, dollar, all those people. Credulous, <laughs> jugulo, dollar. Jug, jugulette, jungle, jungle tits. Um, no, but the... the <laughs> But we all became on the same level as them. There is no greater level. These Benny Hens, all them, I'm going to tell you right now, if, if, if that is what's keeping you from having a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm with you. you you're not going to find anybody else more angry about how these people can exist and have the audacity to say during uh, a pandemic that God told them, like uh, Kenneth Copeland said, God told him that oh, yeah. his congregation was going to raise him, him, three hundred million dollars. This man is the same one that bought an eighty million dollar. And if it, you, yeah, eight, I don't know if it was eighty million. Was I'll have to fact check. Millions that. and millions yeah. uh, on a plane, because. When he's flying coach, he's surrounded by demons in a tube. In a tube. So, no, it's it's crazy, though, because, you know, what he said was, oh, oh a lot what uh, a lot of my followers are out of jobs now because of this, this pandemic, but that is not an excuse. I still expect them to give. Oh, man. Aha. Now, this mentality does transcend to small churches, big churches. Uh because they're they've convinced you that they're doing the work of God, and some are. Yeah, and in some cases, giving you, you got to keep the lights on. You know, I mean, you got you got to pay the the bills. But again, why why does it have to be such an extravagant uh, church? Why can't you just have more services? What was Jesus's um, most famous sermon? The Sermon on the Mount. And what was it on? The Mount. Well, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, ben, I'm come on, keep up. But was but, but was it in four walls? No, man, it was wide out in the open. Exactly. That's the point. What lights did Jesus have to keep on? He didn't have to keep that's that's my point. Exactly. What I'm saying no, is I'm, I'm going the, with you. The the extravagant the extravagance of churches, especially mega churches now, is out of control. But even in small churches, oh, we need that new soundboard. I you know, and again I'll get into it later, but I'm convinced there there were a few things that a that a church that I was at uh, there were a few things that that the church wanted uh, that they they felt like they needed, and uh, I was let go for for 
that reason, not just that reason, but that was one of the reasons why I was like, oh, because uh, if they didn't pay my salary of, you know, very, very small. I mean, when I say peanuts, I'm talking peanuts. It was like 16,000 a year. So if you if you make less than 16,000 a year, then I guess it's not peanuts. But but 16,000 a year by by any standards, especially when you're working 60, 65, 70 hours a week, that's that's peanuts. peanuts. Um yeah. but see, I was making like 200 bucks a week. Well, if they didn't have to pay me that 200 bucks a week, they could buy the new soundboard. They could buy the new projector. What what do we need that for? The, the old projector still works. The soundboard works. But no, what happens is when the sound gets a little crusty or it doesn't sound right, you know, then, then the pastor gets all out of sorts mm-hmm. and then they can't deliver the sermon. When, instead, what they say is, oh, the devil did that. Oh, man. Oh, see, <laughs> I mean. Uh, time, time, to let, time to let the youth pastor go because uh, the devil. I mean, yeah. God. So, first of all, that's a good segue because I'm going to say this: when you're listening to this, Ben and I don't think we're better than than, than anybody. Nope, absolutely we're not. we're hypocrites. I I'm right now. I've had what three Sam Adams. I'm about to go get a fourth. Um, but here's the deal: I'm not pretending to be better than you. I'm not asking for money. I'm not telling you that my prayer is. I'm going to summon a wind, a fire from hell to destroy this. Uh, I claim victory. No, but I'll pray for you. That's right. I Yeah. And <laughs> while he's clearing, declaring victory on COVID-19, this man is also saying, if you call that number underneath and become one of our platinum yeah. subscribers, which entails like, you know, $249 a month, you know, I will, you, I will specifically pray for you. Yeah. Okay. Again, going back to what we said, there, <laughs> If, and if you're listening and you've only been a Christian for so long and you're like, why is church so weird? This is making me not. Let me tell you something. Your prayer to God is just as more, is just as powerful, if not more, than Kenneth Copeland because it is not coming from a position of heresy. It is not coming from a position of wanting money or creating some sort of theatrics in order for you to give more or to believe that somehow they are more powerful than you because this is not a superhero contest. He is not the Hulk, okay? You're not Squirrel Girl here. You are... Just as Squirrel Girl, yeah. Well, Squirrel Girl was the one who defeated Thanos. Actually. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not in on the God, Marvel. You're so universe. dumb. Sorry, you're so, you're so dumb. Um, no, but <laughs> but <laughs> the but that, smartest guy I know. You're so dumb. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you're also the most in shape fat guy I know, but you're still fat. Um, so am yep. I. Uh, but you know, but th- but that's th- that's the point here that we're trying to make with this first uh, uh, official podcast. You belong. You belong in the kingdom. And your position with God is no different than Mr. Copeland's, Mr. Dollar, Mr. I don't even think that's his real name. Uh, no, credulous. Come on, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Mr. Duplantis. The incredulous, crap low dollar. <laughs> <laughs> but so stop giving your money to uh, because out of guilt. Stop, stop giving your money. If you have no money. Okay, go go get some pocket change. Go first of all, go find a church that you can relate to, somebody who's going to listen to you and not judge you. We'll get into that later. But uh, if you want to throw pennies, if all you got is a pocket full of hand change, then fine. But you can talk to the pastor and say, I don't have money, but what I do have is uh, a couple hours I can give you to mow the yard. It doesn't have to be monetary. It just requires service. You know, it's one of those things where if you have nothing to give but time, why can't a church? use that time why can't a church take that time or labor or 
you know, like if you happen to be an accountant in your normal everyday life, you know, and the church needs help with their accounting, well, they wouldn't dare do that because then somebody, <laughs> somebody else other than the church treasurer would have to look at the books. But I mean, just as just as an example, you know, um, pro bono work, if you're a, a lawyer, or you know, or even a, a licensed counselor, you know, marriage counseling in the church in most cases, when the marriage counseling is done by a minister, is kind of a joke. I remember when I had to do marriage counseling. <laughs> I've been married, you know, I was married at the time for like four years. Now take it from somebody that knows <laughs> what marriage is like. Yeah, after four years, you think I've you think I've got it? No, the only thing that I have in personal experience is that four years and scripture and and that's it but i have no clue at that point you know and i'm just speaking from a as a former minister i wouldn't i would never go to marriage counseling uh in, in a church um just because unless of course they're a qualified counselor you know that has that education uh to go along with the scriptural background and to go along with their own you know their own experiences but um you know, so a counselor that has that experience, you know, maybe they can offer pro bono work for the church so that they can actually have a real marriage counselor uh, to do some pro bono work or even discounted work. Uh, I mean, well, that's that's 10 percent. Right. It, it, I mean, that's you're giving to the church. But you, not only are you giving to the church, you are making it so that that amount that you're giving can be given in such a way that it re-energizes that not only the people in the church, but also the people in the community. The thing is, a lot of ministers won't like that though, because that doesn't line their pocketbooks. Right, and 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 again, that's the point of tithing. You're giving to God. Number one, you're giving to God, and when you're giving to God, you're not giving to God because He needs it. You're giving to God because that is what they use to spread the kingdom. And by kingdom, I mean the people on earth. See, I, our my goal is not heaven. My goal, I don't deserve it. My goal, and if you know, and if I follow God's promise, I'm going. I'm going to heaven. But the kingdom on earth is what Christ was talking about when he, and that's and that's his group of followers going out and making the world a better place, even when people are spitting on you and calling you names. The idea is to love God and love others, right? That that's the kingdom. So, if you're giving to a church and you're tithing, God's looking upon your tithing with favor. But is the church using that tithe? to spread the kingdom or are they using it to get a new projector because people in church will get to see the words better you know that so what, what ben is saying and, and, and i 100 percent, 110 percent agree if you have a church that is not going to take uh, let's say you're from a small town or, or you're you're comfortable at your church but they don't want your time they want your money that's fine go volunteer somewhere in the name of god uh you know when i worked at the hub there are a lot of people who would come and they would give and they would give uh, about four to six hours of their time every week to volunteer. And one of them I talked to, uh, they were from a little church here in Billings uh, on the south side. Um, they were in uh, they would come to the hub and they would donate their time because they had no money. I mean, these are like I said, these are, are, are uh, people mostly disenfranchised who don't have money, who are living on 900 bucks a month from the government. Um, because they've retired, yeah. yeah, if they're lucky. And uh, so they don't got money, uh, and, and, and they're also on Section 8. And uh, so they would give time. I'm going to tell you something. 
I guarantee you, guarantee you, God looked upon that with favor. And that, that was the point. And, and, and that's the point of all of this is to take somebody who's in a bad situation or in a situation where uh, the world, they, they, they don't think anything's there for them. They don't think anybody cares. They don't think uh, there's a God. You know, they, they have no concept of God. And then here comes this person who's tithing their time and somebody's nice to them. Somebody's not judging them. Somebody's got, giving them hot food, uh, uh, a kind ear, kind words. And then soon those people start looking forward to those those conversations. And um, then the number one question that comes to, especially this lady who was at the hub, you know what her number one question was from the homeless? What? Why are you so nice? That's her end. Right there, she can give the word of God, the love of Jesus, and then her, and then say, but you know what's about a relationship? Because that, that, that homeless man's life is not going to immediately get better because nope. he found Christ, but now he has hope. And... Uh, that's the point. And there's a good chance that if he goes to, uh, you know, any particular church, it's not going to get better either. No, it'll it'll probably get worse. I'll make him feel how worse about you, himself. How dare you sit in my pew? Exactly. So he'll keep coming back to the hub to meet. Her name was Eileen. Uh, meet with Eileen. And that, that was the spiritual nourishment. Well, wait a second, though. I mean, that's not a church. <laughs> the hub isn't a church. What is a church? Exactly. Exactly. That, that's the point Ben and I are trying to make. You don't need to go to four walls by some senior pastor who wants a new Lincoln to be going to church. Or $80 million jet, although I don't know how much it costs. Maybe it's $8 million, I don't know. <laughs> well, it was an $80 million. It would be like Soul Plane. <laughs> soul Plane. But that's the point. I mean, right right there. So, um, again, high-level stuff, 1,000-yard view. Um, but what we're trying to do here is we're trying to relate this to you. Um, our goal, uh, like what is the problem with modern religion? What is the problem with church? What is the, by church, I mean the chapel. What is the problem with, uh, you know, why are the numbers of Christians dwindling? Why aren't people living more like Jesus? Well, and, I, and I'll tell you why. I mean, really, everything we said adds to it, but it's because when these people, especially on the fencers and agnostics, when they, when they look uh, and they're looking for meaning. They're looking for something to give them a sign, you know, something to, to prove that there's an existence of something greater than themselves. The ambassadors of that faith are the ones saying that they're demons in tubes, are the ones who are making people faint by the thousands and, you know, bringing up somebody who is not uh, paraplegic, uh, but pretending to be paraplegic, and then saying a prayer, and then poof, they're out of their chair, and they're, and they're healed. And these people know, I mean, you know, the, you're not dumb. You, listener... John and Jane Q listener, you're not you're not dumb, yep. and and these are the ambassadors of the faith, Ben. This is why it's happening. If you want to give money to Copeland or Osteen or or um, you know uh, your your local ministry, if you want to give money, do whatever you want. Do whatever is impressed upon your heart to do. Don't do it out of guilt. Don't do it out of shame. Um, but it's it's not just money. It's not just money that, that is the root issue of the church here. Um, there's psychological, sometimes unrepairable psychological damage that the church does uh, to individuals that that uh, it can't be, uh, again, it's unrepairable. There's damage that's done uh, by the church uh, that's said to individuals that they will never, ever forget. And as a result, they may never, ever go back to a church. They may never, ever go back to Christ because they associate the church with Christ, today's church with Christ, not Christ's church 
when Christ was walking the earth. One of the things uh, 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 we talked about is um, uh, the addict. Uh, we go back to the addict analogy. Working in a treatment center, working in, in, in both Ben and I both worked in treatment centers. We uh, One theme rang true. Okay, we had at the treatment center I worked at before I started working with Ben, uh, we had six uh, therapists and five of them were extremely successful. And do you know why those five were uh, extremely successful? Because all five were recovering addicts, were recovering alcoholics, were recovering gamblers, were recovering uh, eating disorders. The one who was not successful never experienced that. There is not... There, they, you know, you always hear people say there are some things you can't teach. So when you're when you are a drug addict or an alcoholic, and maybe some of you are, or sex addict or gambler, uh, eating disorder, maybe some of you are. But if you're looking for help, are you going to listen to somebody who does not know what it's like to be an alcoholic or an addict or a sex addict? You're not. You're, well, there's there's no relational factor there. No. I mean, it's like yeah, you can you can say you know. You need Jesus. But unless I hear it from somebody that that was also struggling with the same or similar um, experience, uh, I have less trust, less initial trust that needing Jesus is, is going to satisfy that, you know, is going to quench that desire. Exactly. You know. Exactly. Well, and that's how they create cookie cutter Christians. And we'll get to that in a second. But, you know, it, like Ben's saying, and that, that, that's so true. You know, it's uh, people who are coming to Jesus uh, now, the numbers are dwindling because the people who are presenting Jesus to them are polished. Uh, they're, they're taught, they're ingrained to not show the scars, right? Uh, the, the, the addict goes to the recovering addict and learns. I mean, N-A-A-S-A-G-A, all the different A's are successful because they are fellow addicts and, and people who have been through the same shit that they've been through, right? And, uh, and and they can help them because they can relate. So when a church tells you to hide your scars, when a church tells you that your scars are just the epitome of sin, they uh, it's the devil's way of keeping you down, um, they're, they're full of shit. And I'm going to tell you that mm-hmm. right now they are completely full of shit. Sinners make the best saints. And you need to say that to yourself a thousand times in the mirror when you're struggling. Sinners make the best saints. If you have scars, if you have tattoos, if you have a rough childhood, don't be afraid to show and let that shit shine because there are people right now out there who need to know who Christ is. And you're the one that's going to do it. Your scars are going to be the one to do it. Because the number one thing I hear when I try to uh, increase this movement to people. They, the number one thing I hear is I don't deserve redemption. I don't deserve this. You don't know what I've done. And you pull up that sleeve, you pull up, um, you know, you show your track marks, you show things, you, you let them in just a little bit and you say, I know what you're going through. Okay. I know what you've been through because I have the scars to relate. Immediately. Those people are put at ease immediately. Well, it's so it's so frustrating to me though because uh, the church as a whole says, "Come as you are." You know, we'll we'll take you uh, exactly the way that you are. But they they omit a portion of that sentence when they say that because what they really mean is, "Come as you are now, change." 
Exactly. Cookie cutter. Now change into the way we want you to be. Come as you are, but you're going to leave here looking exactly like us. Well, I don't want that. I don't think, I don't, I don't, I mean, I can't speak for him myself, but I don't think Christ wanted that. If you look at the disciples, none of the disciples were the same. No. Some were extremely educated and others completely inverse of that. Completely different. Some were, were hard workers and some not so much. Some doubted, had no faith, and some had uh, faith that I, I can only even imagine having. John. Yeah, John had a lot of faith. Had a lot of faith. But, but that's what I'm saying. So, I mean, Christ, just if I look at the way that his disciples were, he didn't grab 12 exactly the same individuals that thought the same, talked the same, acted the same, but still not me, Slim Shady. Um, the, he, he, took, he took 12 people from 12 different walks of life and brought them together and still used them to carry out his gospel. You know, again, I refer to the Great Commission. I referred to that before. But so then, again, where's the disconnect? You go to church and everybody's supposed to, you know, Say the exact same th- same things. Raise their hands at the same time in worship. Uh, use words like sanctification and edification and justification. Although justification you can use, you know, in regular day, uh, everyday life. But sanctification, come on. Isn't that a song? Huh? Oh, suffocation. Suffocation. <laughs> no breathing. Yeah, no, uh, we can't sing that. Uh, we don't have the rights to that. But, oh, that's right. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Forgive me. <laughs> no, you're right. I mean, try try being a homeless guy that smells really bad and you're looking for something uh, new, but you have nowhere to shower and uh, go to a church and see how you are received. I'm sure uh, if there was a camera rolling, you'd be hugged. If there was no camera rolling, you, they would tell you probably to shower first. <clears throat> and the ones that the ones that do say, hey, let's get you showered. Uh, eventually, they'll turn you into a cookie cutter Christian. And that's what we try to avoid. Uh, go as you are. You know, the, w- one thing a little off topic, Ben, it's not in our outline here. But I want to talk about the 13th disciple. Well, first, let's talk about the 12th. Think of this. Jesus had Judas follow him, knowing damn well he was going to betray him. Now, think about that for a second. I mean, really think about that. Jesus had Judas follow him and learn from him and 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 prophesize in his name, knowing that he was going to be the one to get him crucified and betray him with a kiss, yet he still had him follow. So if you think that your sin is so bad, and the church especially has made you think that your sin is terrible or that, you know, not her, not him, I don't want them in the church. Uh, If you've been made to think that, just remember that Jesus had a man follow him knowing that man would would betray him. Now, moving on, uh, one thing I was going to speak of off topic was Mary Magdalene does not get the label of disciple. And it bugs me. Well, you know why? Because she's a woman? No. No. <laughs> you misogynist. No. Had not, Mary Magdalene was a former prostitute, man. Exactly. But you can't you can't have you can't have prostitutes in church. <laughs> right? Shit. No, 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 but, but, but really think about it. I mean But seriously think about it. Uh Mary Magdalene uh is I consider her a disciple. Uh, she still went out, and after Jesus gave the commandment on the Mount of Transfer, or no, 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 Mount of Ascension, um, you know, to to go out and spread the gospel, she did too. But Mary Magdalene is the perfect example, Ben, of what you're saying, because 
she was about to get killed by the church and um jesus drew a line in the sand and basically said hey let me tell you if you haven't sinned please feel free to kill this prostitute oh yeah oh and you think any of them they were like no man i'm good yeah no they all dropped their rocks exactly had nothing to say the only person who could kill her was the very one that saved her so when you uh, as you're listening to this and you're and you're thinking i'm still not worthy or whatever you're thinking just remember the one person who was perfect and without sin chose to save the prostitute and and chose to have that woman spread his word his message i honestly believe you do not see a gospel of mary simply because she couldn't read or write she went completely on faith you know a woman who can't read or write former prostitute complete outcast in her society uh the time and place of that time a prostitute was nothing more than a a, a, a sock that you would use oh, in your man. basement and she, so she couldn't read or write and i'm certain right. that jesus and, and the disciples were working too much for them to sit down and teach her but that's why you don't see a gospel her gospel was done on foot so don't don't believe the church for a second if they ever make you feel less than you are because the person who that church is representing made her an equal you're talking about living in christ it's there's nothing about it that should be complicated there's nothing about it that should be uh so unattainable other than servitude and sacrifice but and when i say sacrifice i'm not talking about like uh sacrificing animals because again christ was the sacrifice or your money yeah or your money I'm talking about something that you feel compelled to do. If something you feel compelled to do, if it's something that you love to do or something that you want to do with your whole heart, is it really a sacrifice? Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. So, I mean, but that's what I'm saying. So if somebody says, you know, and again, earlier I said, give give where you want to give. Give where you feel compelled to. But don't give because you feel guilted or shaming into giving. Don't change because you feel guilted or shaming and ashamed into to changing. If you feel impressed on your heart to change, if you feel impressed on your heart to give, that's when you should do it. Not because of what somebody else tells you to do, but because because of that that moral compass that that you've been given uh, that says, you know, it's probably not the right thing to do, or this probably is the right thing to do, and I should do it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, and to keep going with that because I know we keep going back and forth, but it's very important that you understand this because the idea or the title of this first podcast is the modern church and the issues with it. Um, you know, but you know, one thing Ben said to me last week when we were doing sound tests for our first podcast, uh, we were kind of spitballing ideas of what we wanted to share with you all. And Ben said something really profound Believe it or not, you did. You said something. Believe it or not, believe he it. actually said something that made sense. He did, um, and it was this. And I want you to think about this when you're thinking about giving, and if you're giving enough, or if somebody tells you you're not giving enough, or you feel like you're not giving enough. There was a a, a fisherman uh, when Jesus was teaching to the multitudes of ten thousand, and uh, they all came to Jesus. I, I would say it was probably his first real sermon that drew thousands of people. And they said, well, they came hungry, Rabbi. We need to feed them. We don't have nothing to feed them. And so they had a couple loaves of bread. They had a couple, a few fish. That's all that fisherman could spare. 
Jesus took two fish and fed 10,000 people. It was two, right? Two fish? Five loaves and two fish. That's right. Yeah. He took two fish and fed five or 10,000 people. It was a boy, wasn't it? It was a boy. And that's all he had. That was, yeah. that was his that's only it. catch. And so Jesus took very little. And this is what Ben said. How could Jesus do so much with so little? Yeah, because he fed them all and had 12 baskets left over. That's right. And gave it to the boy. I'm sure he gave it to the boy. And... But yet, in today's times, with the whether it's a small church or a mega church or Kenneth Copeland, demons in a tube, um, <laughs> God, right? But how could some people today do so little with so much? Think about that. Jesus did so much with so little, and yet the people who are called to be shepherds, so quote unquote, do so little with so much. Yep. Well, that's all you need to know when you're looking at the church that you want to join. Yeah, what to look for? That's Absolutely. Right. So look at look at the church. Uh, you know, if you're if you're casing a church, you're like, mm, I, I think I want to try a church. You know, I mean, good luck first of all. Um, in in any community, you're you're gonna get a mixed bag, a grab bag, and you don't know what you're gonna get. Most people gravitate towards the biggest church because. Uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, you can get lost in it. You know, I mean, nobody really has to know your name and hopefully they don't have that shake a shake a hand section in the in the service. So you don't have to worry about confronting really anybody. You can just stay in your own little bubble. So most people gravitate towards the big church. Uh, but if you don't, if you decide to go to a smaller community church, that's fine, too. But when you go to that church uh, before you you go through the doors, just I don't know. Pull up. I mean, we have technology at our disposal. Google the church. See if they come up in any news articles. See if they see if they uh, uh, do any community outreach. See if they pay for um, gas in the neighborhood. Let's say they, you know, like when gas was, I don't know if you remember this, but when gas was like $3 a gallon, I know a couple of churches uh, that, that for the first thousand dollars that was paid for in gas they took a dollar off per gallon of anybody that came in it didn't matter if they were churchgoers or not and so it was like you know a dollar off when it was three dollars a gallon is a huge deal now i mean it's you know buck 75 here in billings but um but so the thing is uh, just do a quick google search and see if they're they're um uh, there's any news clippings, uh, recent news clippings, where uh, they're doing something great in, in the community uh, that is reaching out to more than just the church itself. They're reaching out into the community and they're benefiting the community. Do they have a car care service? Do they offer daycare? Uh, do they offer, um, you know, is there meals. a certain, yeah, do they offer meals or yeah. do they offer uh, help with with uh, heating or cooling expenses, mostly heating expenses during the, the winter uh, for, for needy families? Do they feed the homeless? Do they do food drives? Do they restore the food bank? Look at those things and, and that's what you want to look for first in a church is do they reach back out or is it, or is it just four walls they cram everybody in to try and make look like cookie cutter Christians. The second thing to watch for is is the the pastor itself. When you do go to the church, how, does the pastor greet you? Are they interested in you? Uh, what are you wearing at the time that you're going to church? And and if you're coming in, you know, just in casual dress and you don't look like you have a ton of money, um, but you, you know, you just look 
normal, does, does the pastor still come to you and say, hi, my name is so-and-so, I'd like you to meet my, my wife, hey, let's, let's go to lunch. I'm not saying that, the, that a pastor, every pastor would do this, because sometimes Sunday afternoon they've got a busy schedule. They may have a busy schedule. I don't know what they have going on. But how is the pastor receptive to you? Does he treat you like you're the only person there? Does he treat you like you're the, um, or does he treat you like, um, dirt. I mean, does he treat you like, well, I don't know who you are, so I don't give a shit. So, I mean, take that and, and, and go with it. Then look at the rest of the congregation because the congregation is listening from this guy. They're, they're being educated from this guy. So when you look at the rest of the congregation and they're not friendly, they're not outgoing, or they, they have a, a judgmental attitude, does everybody have, if you go a couple of weeks does everybody have their same places that they sit? Does everybody just stay in their own boxes? Do they want nothing to do with you but give you that occasional side glance like you're, you're beneath them? Take a look at that because if that's the way that they are, chances are they receive that te teaching as well. Not necessarily directly where, you know, hey, a newcomer comes in, I want you to look down on him. It's never going to be that obvious. It's always subtle things that are said. So keep that in mind. I want to tell you a story about a church um, that I ministered at, and I knew right away that something in the church needed to be changed when something was said to me, even as I was a youth pastor there. And I said, oh, dear God, I hope that this individual or the individuals that this person sit with don't say this to anybody else, or they don't convey the same bitterness and hate uh, towards someone else. So my wife and I were pregnant with our, well, I wasn't pregnant. I probably looked pregnant. Well, you both I, were pregnant. I was, I was huge. Um, my wife and I, my wife was pregnant with our, our first daughter. So it happened to be uh, Father's Day, a Father's Day service. And, you know, this uh, senior pastor at this church is, you know, saying, hey, you know, if you have, you know, like uh, he was giving away, you know, prizes or congratulating fathers, you know. Um, and uh, so he says, stand up if you have, you know, more than two kids. Uh, stand up if you have more than three kids, you know, or whatever. And, you know, the person with the most kids, of course, would get round of applause or whatever. Stand up if you're the newest father. And, of course, you know, like my my wife, and I don't know, you know, what everybody on here believes as far as, you know, when a baby is a baby, if it's conception or if it's at birth, you know, and I'm not going to get into that. But it was, you know, definitely in, we were definitely in the second trimester. If you're a new father, stand up. I stood up and a lady in the church next to me says, oh, you're not a father. Knowing full well, knowing full well that my wife was pregnant, mind you, like it was it was announced, you know, it was announced in the, the congregation and everything else. Oh, sit down. You don't get to say you're a father. It's, are you kidding me? Nope. Now, these are the same people, regardless of what you believe about when a baby's a baby. These are the same people, though, that believe a baby's probably made at conception. Right. Most likely. Yeah. So. Oh, God. They don't. Okay. So, but, but that's what I'm saying. So the thing is, it's like you, I take a look at that and I think about that and it's like, oh man, you know, like if, if this lady is just as bitchy to a newcomer, I mean, cause I would, I would bet my life on it that she was because I mean, this was the youth pastor that she was talking to, you know, that she would say, oh, you're not a father, sit down. 
It's those subtle things, you know, that you catch when people are talking to you. You know, if you're thinking about going to a church uh, and and you've done you've been at a, f- a funeral service there, pay attention. Pay attention to the people at uh, a funeral service and what they say in reference to, uh, you know, certain topics. And, and, and I'm referencing a story that, that you oh, told me. Yeah, and I'll tell it. Um, also, w- most importantly, the most important thing you need to take from this, go to your first church pot, your first church potluck. Ambrosia salad. I swear to God, if you see seven types of ambrosia salad and four types of chili, run. 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 It doesn't, it doesn't get better. If you see that that lime green jello with uh, or even red jello with uh, little bananas that are kind of, you know, aged, run. Casserole for days. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you a quick story about mine. Um, uh, this is not a reflection of uh, the church I went to, although it is a reflection of uh, of the mentality. Um, this was not an, this was not a, a head pastor that said this to me. But like Ben said, it goes along with what he's saying. Um my dad died uh, not too long ago, and uh, uh, the head pastor at that ch- particular church is a great man, a uh, good man. Uh, his son is even better. I mean, his son baptized uh, my dad when he was intubated um, because my dad was essentially a new Christian. He found Christ and then was intubated a couple days later, um, and so my dad would have wanted to be baptized. It baptist. doesn't matter. That's right. Um, and, uh, my dad would want to have been baptized because my dad was a uh, very flamboyant, I guess you could say, um, you know, Ben got to hang out with him a week before he died as well. And, uh, very funny guy, uh, tried to be most times and, uh, he would have wanted to be baptized. He wouldn't want to made it into a big spectacle. He would have wanted a potluck. He would, <laughs> he would say, I don't want all this attention, but really he really wanted you th- it. You think he would have worn a speedo to his baptism? Uh, <laughs> only no, but only because if his psoriasis would have been under control. Oh, oh yeah, gotcha. oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, and this is no disrespect uh, to them because they really went out of their way for my dad. But, but I gave the eulogy, and I will tell you, I was very, cl- I was very close to my father um, when not a lot of other people were. Uh, my dad was very, uh, very mentally ill. Committed, it tried to commit suicide a couple times. I was the one that drove him to the hospital. Um. So, I mean, yeah, I, I was very close to him. And I gave the eulogy. And one thing I know about my dad, A, if he knew your name, he would never say it. He would call you Jim, George, Bob. Uh, and if your name was Jim, George, Bob, he wouldn't call you that either. And he would pull the the hair. Uh, if he got to know you really well, he'd pull the hair in your arms and call you schnookums. Uh, that's just how he was. And uh, so in my eulogy, I said uh, that I would like to believe because – I believe that Jesus knows who you are. Not It's not the Jesus of glory where his light will shine and burn your eyes out. God. Yeah, yeah. God. It's not like that. God, uh, uh, through Jesus Christ, uh, is all about relation. Jesus knows who you are. So let's just say that right there, that when you die, how you think Jesus is going to respond is probably how he's going to respond because he knew who you were before you were alive. That Moving on. So in my eulogy, I said, um, I would like to imagine that when, when, when my dad opened his eyes for the first time in heaven and saw Jesus, Jesus walked up with his, uh, his robe, pulled his, uh, sleeve up and said, go ahead, schnuckums, and let my dad pull his arm hair. Grab a pole. Yeah. yeah. Grab a pole, schnuckums. And I would like to believe that that's how Jesus greeted my father because my dad would have just started crying and probably pulled his arm hair because he would have thought of me and then entered glory and never thought of me again until I was up there. 
Point is, I stepped down thinking, you know, I, I did a good job. I did I did a good service to my father. Very first thing this pastor says to me, and it's not the it's not the lead pastor, it's not his son, it's just another pastor. She says to me, very lovely, Josh, but I don't think your father, I don't think that's how it would play out at all. I think that what happened was is that when your father opened his eyes, the the glory of God and Jesus just blinded him and he fell to his feet in, in subservitude, or, right, subservience. And reverence. Reverence. That's, a, that's, that's disgusting. A, yeah. And I just kind of sat there and was like, uh, okay, well, I guess you just destroyed my entire eulogy with one phrase. Like, you know how we're going to be greeted by Christ because I've read the Bible and I do not remember reading anywhere where it says how Christ is going to meet you. Oh, man. So, you know, it was already a hard day. I had to say goodbye to my dad. I was there when he died. And then I had to say goodbye to him at his funeral. And now all I can think about is uh, this pastor uh, uh, correcting my part of my eulogy because, well, she's better than me. (laughs) Yep. Uh, that's terrible. Um, yeah. So I, I mean, I, I disagree with, with, uh, what she said. Truthfully, none of us know, none of us know what it's going to be like when we see God in all his glory. Some of us may very well bow in reverence and some of us may, may, uh, be, uh, walked up to and greeted. I guess really what it is, uh, Christ knows us before the day we were born. So, you know, I really think that it's going to be a personal approach for all of us. I think in our finite minds, we think it's going to be cookie cutter for everybody because in a church, we've been raised uh, like to expect something cookie cutter, exactly the same as everybody else. But really, our own relationships with Christ, just like our own lives, are unique in their own ways. And so Christ um, responds to us. He comes to us uh, in a way that he is going to be able to reach us at at our level. Exactly. Uh, I'm not saying that he's going to, you know cuss and smoke and drink and everything else just to get to us but he's certainly not going to avoid a bar to to be present you know he's not going to say oh well sorry you got to meet me at 6 p.m at uh, the local evangelical church think (laughs) well i funny that you mentioned bar uh just go off of that jackie has another friend um who made this statement when she was all excited to hear our podcast. She did make this statement. Her, you know what her biggest problem is with the, with the church? She feels more welcome walking into a bar than she does walking into her own church. Now, a church can tell you, well, that's because it's Satan and evil and evil's inviting, blah, blah, blah. Even sin, sin is pleasurable for a season. Exactly. And there, there might be some truth to that. I'm not, I'm not negating that bar is not a holy place. But shouldn't a church be more inviting than a place of sin? I mean, obviously, you're never going to outdo a brothel. <laughs> I mean, you know. Uh, whoa. You, well, I mean, Been come to on. a few of those? Yeah, right? But, well. I mean, when you walk into a church, the last thing you should feel is judged. We are all imperfect beings. So, yes, there is going to be some of that when you walk into a church. But the idea behind being a Christian is to be able to call that out, right? <clears throat> to be able to say, you know what? My bad. I judged you, and that is my bad. You know, you are a fantastic human being. Let's celebrate being in in the kingdom together. Um, another thing I want to bring up too, Ben, is that when you were talking about what to look for in a church, uh, and you're and you say Google what their accomplishments are, or not even their accomplishments—that's the wrong word. When you're googling their mission, when you're googling what they've done in the community, which I 110 percent stand behind. 
Also, when you walk in, ask them. See how they respond to you. If you walk up to a deacon, whatever, and uh, say, you know, hey, I, I want, I was looking for a new church. I'm going to say, boy, welcome, because to you it's it's like, oh, it's another tither. But when you walk in there and you say, hey, before I join this church, I just kind of want to know, what, what do you guys do in the community? Like, what's the mission here? What More than just, because Jesus said himself, don't love those who love, you know, don't spend your time loving those who only love you because well, what's the prize in that? That's easy. Right. Love those who don't love you. So walk up to them and say, hey, uh, what exactly do you, what exactly does this church do for the community? How can I get involved outside of just giving money? And what, what do you do? What exactly is it that you do? Uh, and if they're like, well, you know, because uh, I've, I've heard this when I ask this question of a church, I, I, I shit you not. He's, I walk up to the guy and I'm like, uh, hey, uh, my name's Josh. I wasn't married to my wife yet. It was actually a church called the Church of God of Prophecy. Who They're they're a lot like the AOG people. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They speak in tongues and roll around in roomy, loomy, 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 You know, the whole slain in the spirit shit. And, uh, <laughs> Shandala Bundala. Yeah, Shandala Bundala. And uh, <laughs> kitty, 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 kitty. <laughs> Untie my bow tie. <laughs> uh, shit. Yeah. And uh, I said, what do you do for the community? And uh, they said, well, you know, Josh, uh, that's a good question. We, uh, well, hmm. why don't you just have a seat and listen and uh, listen to the word? Yeah, you'll figure it out. Yeah. And it was right at that moment I was like, oh, so you do nothing. Drink and up and we'll tell you. That's right. <laughs> and don't mind those holes in the wall. There will not be a snake coming out. Oh, my. And, and, and that was the last time I went to that church. And... Uh, and that's fine because that church, guess what? It, it disappeared. It's it, it's over on the it's, it was on the south side off of South Billings Boulevard. So can I ask? Did it have like banners hanging from the ceiling? Yeah. Like King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Oh, yeah. uh, they were purple banners and uh, with stuff the white like dove. That. And then the, the so, yeah, okay. I've never been there, but you know, no, there was there was banners. There there was uh, there was one that said uh, uh, they had one that represented the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I remember. Well, what? They had to bring it up. They, uh, we were sitting there, and there's these massive banners. So when you walk in, there's these banners. One is a purple banner with a white dove. The other is a red banner with a black cross. And then up front, there were three banners. Of course, God the Father banner was highest. God the Son banner was to the right, and God the Holy Spirit was a little lower. And I'm like, I just remember kind of thinking to myself, you know, believe it or not, and, and you can think I'm crazy because it was like a church of five, but all of this, everything that's set up in the church, and Ben's going to talk a little, bit, a little bit, a little bit about the theatrics behind all of this. But all of this is set up to kind of give you uh, to create this narrative in your head. It's it's all part of the cookie cutter Christian that we're talking about, where they they tr- they they get you to think the way they think, right? And you will not believe this. It's going to completely blow your mind. Hmm. But after worship, it got real quiet, and of course, there was somebody who spoke in tongues. I guess it happens every, you know, God's coming down directly to this church of five to tell you that you need to tithe more. Um, There was this quiet moment, and it was at that moment, after this person gave the word, um, and and the word was to tithe, somebody just snuck up to that piano and bloom, 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 and guess what they passed? You said I'd never believe that? No, I know. I'm just being facetious for the crowd. I was waiting for you to tell me that. Bling, 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 bling. And guess what they passed? The offering plate, man. That's right, baby. Tugging them heartstrings one more time. They got that they got that gold hat out, boy. Oh. Fill it up. And when you and when that passes by you, I didn't give shit. I please. I was kind of hungover. Uh <clears throat> and what did I 
Um, hey, man, that happens. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why I was in How church. How dare you? I know. I smelled like it, too, but I didn't put nothing in the plate. And when the the gal who was sitting next to me, and of course, there's more than five people in this church, but when I passed the plate to the gal next to me, she looked at me like I had. She shake the offering plate? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well. You, you sure that you don't have anything? I'm pretty sure that was Parkinson's, but because she was like 100. Oh, no. Yeah, no. But she just kind of looked at me, looked at the plate, scowled at me, and then scooted over. Yeah, scoot it over give her. like yeah well like uh, break that curse in jesus name it was like i don't have money the <laughs> rainbow has it <laughs> i spent it all last night on booze that's right and I now mean, i smell like it this morning exactly well and i mean yes i was the center yes i was i had fallen away at that moment absolutely but they know that they could smell it and you mean to tell me that not one person was like hey hey you know what it's okay brother welcome you hungry that's okay you didn't give money this time. Don't worry about it. I don't, we don't care about that. We just care about you. Or just not even a look, you know? I mean, the offering plate goes by. You should be able to pass the offering plate without any judgment. That's right. That's I right. don't belong to this church. I'm not a member of this church. You know, yeah. some some churches make, make you go through a membership uh, process in order to be a certified, bona fide member. Oh, Lutherans. You got to take a class. You know, but it's like you're expecting me to give to something that I don't even know. I mean, like the guy that you asked, hey, what, what are you guys doing in the community? Well, why don't you have a seat and get the word? <laughs> Come on. What am I What am I paying for here? You can't even just say, hey, we give like 500 a month to the mission. Yeah. Nope, nothing. Have a seat. Listen, shut up. Yeah. Take, 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 take the pastor's words and that'll be enough. <laughs> That'll be enough. And we got a potluck then, afterwards. Then they're expecting you, who they don't even know, you know, where their walk is. They don't even know, you know, if they're, you know, um, a Christian or not. They're just saying, well, you're going to take that word and you're going to spread it to 80 friends. No, nah, man. No. Uh, see, as a, a minister, they get complacent and they're just like, okay, well, everybody come to me. I'll give you the word and you go out into the community. No. Uh, if it's a church, if it's a church, then the 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 true meaning of the word church isn't building it's it's a collective agreement yep exactly okay so if it's collective then it shouldn't just be on the individuals that go to go out into the you know in the community it should be the pastor leading them right yeah but no absolutely like the the uh, it's like that old uh, uh picture of you know what the what the difference between leadership and and whatever that other shit was where the person's like slave driving while people are pulling him and then the the yeah. second picture is the leader actually pulling in front of him yeah leader um, and boss yeah that meme exactly yeah, and, and i'm gonna go back to one thing and and, and i told you i was gonna bring this up my spiritual mentor pastor wiley uh passed away um and I, and I might be spoiled with this, and this is probably why I have such a an issue with, um, you know, where where modern churches are today. Um, Pastor Wiley down in South Florida never um, made more than nineteen thousand a year. Um, he had a little pull behind trailer um, that him and his wife lived in, uh, an old uh, an old uh, like a, it looked like a big old suburban. Remember those seventy like seventy nine suburban? Did they make them back then? Well, it looked like that. Anyway, um, so. He lived in that. He would hook up to the church's water hose, and that was his water. He would uh, spend his Sunday afternoons, Monday afternoons, Tuesday afternoons, Thursday afternoons, and Friday afternoons going down into the hood, down into the most dangerous parts of Lauderdale and Miami, um, and he would give meals. Gangbangers would put their guns away when Pastor Wiley showed up because uh, he was a man of God. 
rival gangs uh, could come to his uh, his uh, camper and get meals, and uh, nobody nobody he never had a problem. This man never made more than like I said he never he was always under twenty thousand a year. Um, every bit of money that came through the church when he had pastored went out into the community, which meant he was not a head pastor for long. He was always an associate pastor. And I saw that as an example of what the, the, the shepherd should be. When you compare a man like uh, Pastor Wiley uh, to a man like Joel Olstein, I'm certain there are thousands of people, I'm not going to say millions, but I'm sure thousands of people who became Christians because of what he had to say. Uh, God is able to take horrible, disastrous things that we do and turn it for something that is good. God does not control us like uh, puppets. Uh, we have free will, and that free will plays out. If bad things happen, bad things happen because people are bad. It has nothing to do with God. Um, but it's something that we asked for. Uh, with free will comes, uh, uh, it's kind of like your rights. Uh, we uh, promise rights, but that does not always mean security. Uh, same thing with free will. Free will m- means we can do what we want, but that means also, too, that we are not immune from the free will of others. But that being said, when you look at people like that, and you look at people like Pastor Wiley, you think, why are these guys becoming fat cats? Why are they profiting on um, people's belief and fear and uh, and subservience to God? Uh, and to me, that is the biggest travesty here. That is the problem with religion. We have pastors who have went away from teaching the word of God and have become business experts on how to create an empire and how to secure more and more money in order to... Uh, not only lavish themselves, but lavish the businesses that, that they have created because the chapel is now, it's not about the, the the mission or the faith statement. It is about the chapel and how it looks when the sun hits it just right. All under the guise of a 503C. That's right. That's right. And let me tell you, these big, uh, these big uh, uh, churches, uh, Kenneth Copeland, they're all nonprofits, but yet they post a profit. You want to know how? Well, I can tell you how that too. Uh, we'll get into that later uh, with the foundations. But again, to to basically bring this back to the beginning, what is the problem with modern church? I'll tell you what the problem with modern church is. It's because of the love of money. It is because everything about church is more is not leaning towards saving souls and, and healing the community. It is about securing money. They treated they mistreated my wife's friend and my friend not because of any other reason than because he was the head of the household and he had money. And that is the that right there, if you want to look no further, it is money. But that's also the problem with everything in this world. People say money is the root of all, all evil. That is not true. It is the love of money that is the root of all evil. Money, 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 money. That's right. So how, how do you, how, what are the solutions? What are the solutions to this? Um, it's, it's real simple. But believe it or not, you are the solution. You have the power to break this cycle. Stop giving your money out of guilt. Start asking questions when you go to a church. It is perfectly okay to walk into a brand new church and say, hey, before I come in here, I just want to ask you a few questions. And if they can't answer that, leave. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with knowing if you are going to give where your money's going, but it's not just about giving. It, you're investing time. You're investing effort, energy. I mean, I, I certainly don't want to invest any time, effort, and energy into being judged. I mean, that's that's life's too short. 
we're, 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 we're not here long enough for, for, for us to become perfect because we never will be. That's something that's unattainable. So, you know, if you go, if you go into a church and you're, you're being judged or you're expected to give, you're, you're guilted or shamed for who you are, for who you represent, when really all you're looking to belong, all you're looking to do is belong and, and to have uh, a purpose greater than yourself. But in the process, you have to overcome hurdles of, of uh, wearing the right clothes or giving the right amount of money or, or uh, saying the right things at the right time or raising your hands in worship because if you don't, you're not holy or speaking in tongues. If, if that's where you have to be, then you're wasting your time. You're wa- wasting um, precious moments that you could have in intimate moments with Christ. Like you, you don't need a church for that. You exactly. don't need a church for that. And so what you do need a church for is something that the church today, I'm convinced that the majority of them are not providing. No, absolutely. That um, w- if you're a new Christian or on the fence and the reason why you're on the fence or you're an agnostic is because of what the church is or what it appears to be, understand that we hear you. And we're here. This whole podcast started because we agree with you. You are enough. And um, you don't need a church to have a relationship with Jesus. Uh, If you want to know, the church does not represent Christ. We're here to take that down. And we're here to start a movement to, to, to retake back our faith and to reintroduce you to the God that we know. Next week, I want to go into theatrics like uh theatrics of the church um uh little nuances little subtle things that that the church does uh that's that's not spiritual but seems spiritual uh that bring people in you know we we touch bases on it a little bit you know uh playing soft tones during the offering um you know some of it playing with uh audio and lights and and uh, really just pulling at the heartstrings of individuals that while they're there, they have their undivided attention and they have hopefully their undivided wallets. But also re-relate um, the relationship versus the religion. Um, that is the central theme um, that we're trying to get across here is that the relationship um, that you have with Christ has nothing to do with the religion. And uh, religion will do anything it can to um, to get in, in the way of your relationship with Christ by making you think that the only relationship with Christ is through them. So from Ben and Josh, brother Walter. Yep. Thanks for sticking with us. If you're <laughs> if you if you're still listening, uh, appreciate it. Yes. Please hit subscribe. And uh, if you have any questions, you can visit us on social media. Uh, we are Grit Unpolished Raw Christianity. Uh, you can check us out there. Um, let Maria know what you're thinking. If you have any questions, um, uh, if you're struggling in your faith or you want to know more about Christianity, uh, reach out to us uh, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, Grit Raw Unpolished Christianity.